we turn to the one who conquered death for you and for me. My message here this morning does not come from one of the readings that we just read. Rather, it comes from another part of St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. And you are more than invited to follow along in your Bibles here. Um, if you uh, don't know if you have Bibles in your pews or not, or if you want to pull out your phone, otherwise you can listen to me read the text here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, the basis for my sermon message here this morning. Since we have that same spirit of faith, which corresponds to what is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us, together with you, into his presence. In fact, all this is for your benefit, so that as grace increases, it will overflow to the glory of God, as more and more people give thanks. Therefore, we are not discouraged. But even if our outer self is wasting away, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. Yes, our momentary light trouble produces for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond any comparison. We're not focusing on what is seen, but on what is not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. This is God's word. Following these incredibly motivational words that we just heard from the Apostle Paul here, and we've been hearing encouraging words of hope, right, from God's Word being read to us here this morning. Following that, I wanted to introduce an idea that comes out into this text here for today by talking about a motivational song that I personally love to listen to. This is still a popular song today, though this song was released about 40 years ago uh, in the early 80s. This song has become a anthem, a hallmark for, for many people, many people who are struggling even. This song has been played in, in various television shows and various movies. The song has made its way into ceremonies. It's made its way into weddings, into... Um, Ceremonies, like I just mentioned. Uh, what song am I talking about here this morning? Well, this motivational song, which I think many of you may have even heard before, is Don't Stop Believing by the group Journey. And just to gauge the room, uh, how many of you have heard this song before, Don't Stop Believing by Journey? Okay. It's, uh, well, it's an anthem for everyday working class Americans who are struggling to get by essentially. Uh, The message for them is to keep believing and to not give up on what they're currently doing. It's in the title, Don't Stop Believing. But what I really love is kind of the origin behind some of the lyrics that I'm about to mention here. Uh, Let me just talk about that here for just a second this morning. Lead singer of the group Journey, his name is Steve Perry, he described that the origin of some of the lyrics to this song, Don't Stop Believing, came when 
he was on tour. And he was on tour in Detroit, Michigan. He was doing a series of shows. And he was in his hotel room one night, unable to sleep. It's in the middle of the night. He gets up, and what does he do? He goes to his hotel window. It's complete pitch black darkness, as he describes it, as he's looking outside of his window into the street. Except for this light that is coming off of this street lamp. It's illuminating a part of the sidewalk outside, but just a little bit. The rest is just complete darkness. And as Perry is watching throughout the night, at various points, all of a sudden these people appear from out of the darkness into the light of the street lamp for just a brief moment, only to pass back into the darkness. He's watching this happen ever so often throughout the early morning hours. Appear, disappear, appear, disappear, back into the darkness. This fleeting moment of people walking into the light kind of inspired him to write, write this song around people who are struggling, people who are kind of like stumbling around in the darkness, hoping for just a brief moment to stumble into the light, even if it should only last for a moment. He describes these people who are living just to find emotion. These people who are living tedious lives. And whatever those tedious lives are, maybe they're not happy in their jobs. They're not happy in their social lives. They're looking for that moment of light. And whatever that moment of light resembles for them, maybe it's true happiness. Maybe it's relief. Relief from their pain. Relief from their tedious lives. And I like that picture because maybe, perhaps, at some moments in our lives, we may feel that way as if we're just stumbling around in the darkness. We're just stumbling around in despair. <laughs> we're just hoping to stumble back into light for just a little bit. Again, whatever that light resembles for you or for me. Sometimes we may feel that way based on the, 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 the frequent times in which we face trouble. Pain, suffering, misfortune, perhaps death. When these moments confront us, we may feel this way, as if we're discouraged, as if we have lost hope. And that's the danger that we want to talk about this morning, is if we take these moments of trouble, of pain and suffering, and we treat these moments as if we don't have any true hope of ever overcoming those moments as if these moments for us resemble what I might describe as a losing battle. But as we go to God's Word again, again, if you're following along here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this is a letter from St. Paul to the church in Corinth, we hear his personal testimony about how we can and how we sh uh, should rejoice and not despair in this life that we're living right now as we're fighting, as we're running this race of life as Christians, as followers of Jesus. That we don't get discouraged in those struggles as Christ followers. We'll hear and trust in this truth here this morning, that we are certainly not fighting a losing battle. But Paul does mention trouble here in this reading. Uh, 
he understands that there is trouble going on in the church of Corinth. He understands that there's trouble in any Christian's life. Any Christian will suffer. We're no different than other human beings. We suffer. We experience hardship. And what is the personal trouble that Paul's talking about in this reading? Well, perhaps it's simply his ministry of the gospel, the way that he does good and the way that he shares the life-changing message of the gospel. Because for Paul's ministry, it was not all moments of happiness. It was not all moments of pleasure. His character was often attacked by others. His message rejected by, by others. His life was even in danger at various points in his ministry by those who opposed his message. And so right away, as we're considering that, as Paul talks about trouble, if there's anybody who would have been discouraged in doing good or in sharing the gospel, it would have been a guy like Paul. Certainly would have been a guy like Paul. And yet here, as he's writing to the church in Corinth, he personally takes the time to encourage them, to lift them up, to keep fighting as Christians in this life. Uh, Paul lays the groundwork for the encouragement that he's about to give by talking about the most important part. And he says right away, we also believe and therefore we speak. Simply put, Paul's faith compels him to testify. It moves him to speak about God. It moves him to speak about this life-changing grace of God, this love of God. And that's exactly it. Faith is an integral part of being a Christian. It's that necessary tool that God gives to us to fight against the devil's attempts to get you and me to despair, to lose faith, to lose steam in our fight as Christians. But in verses 14 to 17, Paul reminds us of this faith, that faith moves us to speak. Well, what does faith move us to speak about? I hinted at it before, but more specifically, Paul reminds us of what it is that faith believes here in verses 14 to 17. That faith assures us of Jesus' victory and of God's glory that is working in our lives as we speak. So listen for that as I reread through verses 14 to 17 of Paul's letter here. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us together with you into his presence. In fact, all this is for your benefit, so that as grace increases, it will overflow to the glory of God as more and more people give thanks. Therefore, we are not discouraged. But even if our outer self is wasting away, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. Yes, our momentary light trouble produces for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond any comparison. So Paul summarizes the substance of faith here. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, you will be raised with Jesus on that last day. You will be raised up with him in heaven to experience that eternal joy of being in God's presence. It's important to remind ourselves that our lives rest in the knowledge of what the gospel states. The gospel states this, that Jesus' victory is your victory. Jesus' victory is our victory. Everything else flows from that truth. If you have that in mind, everything flows out of the truth of what the gospel states. 
Paul acknowledges this. Because as he continues to write, he talks about how God's glory is a result of this truth of the gospel. That God's glory is working in us as we speak. He says, therefore we are not discouraged. But even if our outer self is wasting away, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. I read an excerpt from an anonymous pastor online who described our bodies this way. I found this interesting. said that our bodies are outwardly withering. So withering meaning wasting away, falling apart, slowly coming undone. So let me say the rest of this phrase that I read online. Our bodies are outwardly withering while at the same time bursting with life. Bursting with life. Now, how true is that? I mean, we understand perfectly well, even the youngest of us here in this congregation, that our bodies experience pain. Our bodies experience affliction. That our bodies get tired. Our bodies ache. We sometimes become diseased. Uh, we sometimes, our bodies start to shut down. It's, it's the reality of the matter that our bodies experience afflictions. Outwardly, they do. But he talks, especially as Paul talks about our inner bodies. How true is that? That we are bursting with life. That day by day, especially as we live in our baptisms, day by day we are experiencing Jesus' forgiveness of sins. We're experiencing that spiritual life that he won for us through his death on the cross, through his resurrection from the grave. It is renewing us day by day, this forgiveness of sins that we receive. So though our bodies may be withering, we're actually getting brighter and brighter, especially as we get closer to that day where we will be in heaven with Jesus. Read through this section again, though. Does it sound like Paul's conceding anything? Like he's giving up the fight? Like he's telling others to give up the fight to do good and to share the message of the gospel? Absolutely not. Because Paul's life rested in the knowledge of Jesus' victory and of God's glory that was working for his eternal benefits. So too, our lives rest in that knowledge. But it's important to keep in mind that the devil also has knowledge of Jesus' victory. He has a knowledge of God's glory and power. He experienced it firsthand at the big, at, after the fall into sin, where God told him that he would be crushed by the Savior who was to come. And he experienced that. His power was completely overturned through Jesus' death and his resurrection. The devil is fully aware of these things, and yet does he rest in this knowledge? Absolutely not. The devil does the opposite of this. In fact, ever since the fall into sin, he has been working hard to regain control, to regain power over the hearts, over the minds of God's people. He wants full possession of our hearts. He wants to interrupt our perseverance as we run this race of life. So we seek to live in the assurance of Jesus' victory and of God's glory that is working for our eternal benefit. And he does this by fixing our gaze on those momentary troubles, on those momentary pains, on those momentary afflictions, sufferings, 
misfortunes, what have you. Because his number one goal is this, is that we forget about running this race of life with God. That we forget about our Creator, our Preserver, our Redeemer. He wants us, as I kind of described before, to return to walking in the darkness, to stumbling around in the darkness, to stumbling around in despair as we previously had been before God reclaimed us and brought us into his wonderful light. So that's important to acknowledge here. But we've been given a most wonderful tool here. That tool, again, is faith. As Paul said, we believe and therefore we speak. Faith also helps us to fight against the devil's attempts to get us to despair. And faith is doing that as we listen to God's word being read this morning, as you actively got out of bed, as you actively came here to worship here this morning, and as you actively turn your ears towards God's word being read here this morning, faith is working among you. God's glory is working among you. Hope is working among you. As Paul reminds us, Yes, our momentary light trouble produces for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond any comparison. We're not focusing on what is seen, but on what is not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. By these words, we learn that God seeks to bless us beyond all comparison, that he is working to prepare for us eternal glory that far outweighs our sufferings and pains. That glory is heaven. Faith fixates on that. Not on our momentary sufferings, not on our momentary troubles. It assures us, most importantly, that we're not fighting a losing battle. To end here this morning, I wanted to offer this phrase that comes out of an old Latin epic by the name of the Aeneid. The, the phrase goes like this. Do not yield to misfortunes, but advance more boldly to meet them. You can put, you can replace whatever you want for that word misfortune here. Do not yield to suffering. Do not yield to persecution. Do not yield to, to just pain, but advance more boldly to meet them. Because what we've been talking about this morning is that we can and should rejoice and not be discouraged, not despair, not lose steam, not give up when we face those moments. Especially as we take on the work of doing good and advancing the gospel, may we never stop believing that God is blessing us, that he is preparing for us an eternal glory that far outweighs any suffering or trial here on this earth. May we continue to live in the assurance of Jesus' victory for you and for me and of God's glory that is being worked among us as well. God be with you. Amen.